Everybody, this is Pill Talk Podcast, your daily dose of medicine to give you what you need to be motivated, inspired, and to live at your full potential. Today, I have a special guest, Alexandria Hill. She is a physical therapist, LANA certified, and also, there's one more thing. Uh, dual board certified in um, women's health and oncologic physical therapy. Do board, do board certified in women's health and oncology. All right. But thank you for coming on today. I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, so let's just dive right into it. So can you go ahead and give us a little bit of background and how did you get started in this? Yeah, so I uh, went to PT school at University of Florida. And while I was there, I had a clinical rotation. It was mainly in an outpatient setting, um, but they did like an orthopedic setting, but they did have several pelvic health and oncology PTs. And my clinical instructor was out for a couple days and I just had to know what they did behind the doors because it was typically a little bit more private sessions, obviously, especially with pelvic health. Um, and so I just wanted to know what they did behind them. And so I shadowed with them. And from my own experience with chronic pain and having a hard time getting my hip pain diagnosed and being told it was in my head and, you know, providers not believing me and, you know, having this pain for three years and seeing these patients now who've been having pelvic pain or these pelvic symptoms for years or decades. And it came down to a muscle issue, um, really resounded with me. And so, I knew that I was like, this is my calling. Like this, this is my specialty. Like, I don't want anybody to fall through the cracks. I don't want people to not feel heard. I want to be that advocate for them. Um, and so that was my first introduction. And it was with PTs who did both pelvic health and oncology. So for me, those two specialties always came hand in hand. Um, once I finished PT school, I went on and did a residency. So that's a postgraduate year-long, typically year-long um, program. And I did that at Duke University. And that was specifically for women's health. Um, but it's kind of a misnomer. So like I have a board certification in women's health, physical therapy, but I treat all genders. We have training for men, women, transgender, across the spectrum, kids. And, you know, we do a lot under that umbrella. Um, but under women's health is also going to include um, conditions among cancer survivors that are more specific to women or people who have vulvas and ovaries. Um, so working a lot with breast cancer survivors and gynecologic cancer survivors. So that first year out of PT school is where I really got specialized with that residency. Um, that's where I also got the initial CLT, which is the certified lymphedema training uh, therapist. Um, and so it's um, with physical therapy, residencies aren't required. Um, but if you want to get into a specialty, it's I usually recommend it for people. If you know that that's what you want to go into, you don't feel you know, 100% confident coming out of PT school, like ready to dive right in with these, you know, complex situations and patients and diagnoses. Um, and so I did my residency with that. And I've been practicing now for about seven years, which is super crazy sometimes to think about. <laughs> That's what's up. What's up, everybody? Let me introduce myself. My name is Dr. Bartu Wilson. I'm a pharmacist. 
that was featured in one of the most prestigious publications, Marquis Who's Who in 2021 as a top medical professional of the world because of my impact through medication therapy management, outreach programs, and networking. I started my own podcast, Pill Talk Podcast, to sit down and talk with other top medical professionals about their journey. Some of the topics that we cover in our conversations are their career path choice, education level needed to practice in their career field, and most importantly, how they're impacting the lives of the patients that they see daily. So, I would like for you to join me every Monday at 6 p.m. as I release new episodes so you can learn about the different medical fields from the top professionals themselves. I just want to let you know that Pill Talk Podcast is just not a podcast, it's your medicine. The daily dose you need to educate, motivate, and aspire to live at your full potential. So become an empowered leader and start to dream bigger with Pill Talk Podcast. So, I want you to go ahead and subscribe to my YouTube channel and support the podcast by becoming an active listener and purchasing some merchandise. Thank you. That's what's up. Congrats. Congrats. Thank you. Um, so let's break it down a little bit and start kind of a little bit from the beginning, right? So you yourself was a patient that had um, some, some type of pain in your hip mm -hmm. and it took a while for you to get diagnosed or get proper treatment from your providers. And that kind of led you to studying uh, physical therapy. Yeah, so I actually started out in college, I was a biochemistry major, and I started out also with a pre-med kind of secondary track. Um, and the more that I shadowed with physicians, the more I was like, I don't know that this is totally for me. And so um, once I had physical therapy myself, and I started shadowing with them more, I felt like that really kind of solidified that I wanted to go into PT for sure. Yeah, okay. And um, so you said your preceptor was out for a vacation or something, and then you decided to take the peek behind the curtain and yes. you started learning more about pelvic uh, health and things like that. Yep. So speaking about the um, speaking about that, what all do you actually do, and what is all encompassed in that being a pelvic uh, yeah. physical therapist? Yeah. So um, and there's there's kind of a a distinction, like I kind of mentioned before, between a women's health physical therapist, a pelvic health physical therapist, there's men's health physical therapist. Um, so you can get even within these sub niches within what you want to do. Um, but for pelvic health, we basically, I kind of joke with people, like I, I specialize in treating between the diaphragm and the, pel and the pelvic floor, like diaphragm and the knees. Anything within that area, like that is my domain. That's typically an area that most other PTs are not super comfortable talking about or working in that area. There's, they haven't had the training in PT school. We maybe had like a lecture or two on pelvic health. Um, but within pelvic health, we treat um, anything that falls under the umbrella of pelvic floor disorders. So that can be bladder dysfunction, bowel dysfunction, sexual dysfunction, abdominal and pelvic pain. So some of the more common diagnoses that I see are um, incontinence or leakage, constipation, um, difficulty emptying the bladder or bowel completely, 
um, pelvic pain, and that is a very broad term for any type of pain within the pelvic area. So that can include um, like coccyx or tailbone pain, so like pain with sitting down, um, rectal pain, pain with bowel movements, pain with sexual activity, pain with pelvic exams, you know, anything like that we can work on. Um, we also work with people during and after pregnancy. Um, and for PTs that do that, they may be a pelvic health PT or they may be a women's health PT where they may not even do any internal work with, with women or with people who have gone through pregnancy. Um, so there is a little bit of a distinction with that. Um, but those are the typical diagnoses that I'll see. Um, but in terms of like treatment and evaluation, what really sets us apart from other PTs is that we do do vaginal and rectal examinations and treatment. Um, so that's typically training after PT school. We don't learn how to do that in PT school. Um, so we have, you know, different courses. It's usually, um, like three or four courses that you'll go through for like the whole certification process. And we're actually practicing on each other, which is very, <laughs> very different from other medical professions. And when I tell people that that's how we learn, they're like, you do what? Like you practice on each other? Cause usually, um, you know, in med school or PA school, you know, they're, they have models come in, um, you know, med students or, you know, students who need the extra couple bucks for, you know, helping with, with people learning how to do these, these exams. Um, but with PT, I mean, we're in a class of like 30 to 40 people and we are literally learning how to do examinations and treatment on each other, which I think um, is helpful because we understand what we're doing to patients. Um, and yeah. it's not just like, oh, okay, well, we're going to do this and I've never had it done to myself. Yeah. Um, so I think that's something that's really unique and kind of cool, in my opinion, for pelvic PTs for our training. All right, great, great. Um, so when they come in for this right here, for those, I know the uh, sessions, it varies per person and for the length of it. Um, mm -hmm. If you got an example, can you tell us about a time that a patient came in with an issue and what did you do as a pelvic physical therapist, how you helped them, and then what was the impact of it afterwards? Yeah, um, so, oh gosh, so many. So um, I've had um, a lot of people, especially with the pandemic, I think this has been really interesting um, with a lot of things that we might have recommended before COVID and then now during COVID with everything shut down, people working from home. Um, so I've had a lot of people who now have tailbone pain. Um, so one in particular, because we're just sitting all day, right? Like we're sitting on the computer, we're sitting doing this, we're sitting helping our kids do their schoolwork. Like we're constantly sitting, like we couldn't go anywhere. Um, you know, so I, I had a patient who super active, was always riding her, her bike. She'd cycle, you know, miles and miles. Like that was her, her like getaway. Like that was her favorite thing to do. Um, and then when the pandemic started working from home was sitting a lot more, was a lot more stress. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize the role of stress and anxiety in our mental health on pain and on our muscle tension. Um, and so for her, she really didn't have a 
specific injury to the tailbone, right? Like most people that come in with a tailbone injury are from like falling or like a mountain biking or something like that, where they hit it really hard. Um, she didn't have any of that. And we kind of boiled it down to, and this was like a lot of people right now is her pain started around March last year, right? What yeah. happened in March, 2020, everything shut down, the right? Like all stress, right. And so we really pinpointed it to that. And so we, um, worked on stretches. We did some manual work. So like hands-on soft tissue work, um, we changed how she sat. So we, I recommended a seat cushion for her to use, but we also worked a lot on like down training the nervous system because she was still pretty amped up. Her nervous system was just in that constant fight or flight mode. So her muscles, especially her pelvic floor couldn't really relax. It couldn't let things just work normally. Um, and so being able to work with her through those things and like get her to kind of recognize the state of mental health, like how important it is for self-care and working on mental health and how that, honestly, I think that was the most helpful thing for her. Um, and so once we discharged, she was able to sit fine. She was able to get back on her bike without any pain. And she does take more time for herself now. <laughs> that's good. That's, yeah. You know, that's a great thing right there. Like, like you said a second ago, you don't ever know how much distress actually causes uh, pain to the body. She already had like a pain to the body, an injury, and then yeah. the stress added on. So reducing the stress, reducing uh, how she sat, was able to like put her back into her normal state. So that was really good. Yeah, yeah that was a good example. Um, now I know you do lymphedema. You're certified in that through LANA. So can you break that down a little bit and tell us about uh, how do you help patients who have lymphedema? Yeah. Um, so the basic certification is the CLT. So it's a certified lymphedema therapist. And then you can get then like go through additional training and you can sit for an exam, which then makes you LANA certified. Um, so it just designates an extra level of taking more tests basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, kind of showing your expertise. Um, but for lymphedema, the worldwide, the most common cause of lymphedema is actually from filariasis, which is a parasite typically in more tropical areas. Um, but uh, right after that, the second uh, most common cause is going to be cancer related. Um, so the most common that, that we'll see in the clinic related to cancer is going to be breast cancer. So when people have their lymph nodes removed, if they have radiation treatment, um, then that can contribute to then lymphedema where the lymphatic system basically doesn't work like it should. Um, I like to think about the, and describe the lymphatic system kind of like a highway all throughout the body. If you have typically like 10 lanes coming out of your arm and now because you've had lymph nodes removed, you've had radiation, you're down to four, you know, think about any major, like Atlanta, for example, right? They have those like, <laughs> 10 lane highways. If you even have a couple lanes down, like you're going to get traffic backup. And so that's how I kind of describe lymphedema. And so with that lymphedema, they can have it all throughout their arm. Um, breast cancer survivors can also have it in the breast or in the trunk. Um, and that lymphatic fluid is different than like typical, like if you bump your elbow and you, and you have a, a bruise and you have some swelling there, because that lymphatic fluid is very protein rich. And so because of that, they they require a specific treatment, which is called complete decongestive therapy or CDT. 
And so that's typically what we'll then do in the clinic. And that includes manual lymphatic drainage, which is a really gentle, like hands-on manual treatment to help facilitate movement of the fluid out of that area. Um, we'll do compression, either bandaging, or we'll get them into a compression garment, like a compression sleeve. Um, exercise is really big. And then skincare are, are going to be kind of the four main components with CDT. Um, so really any time that the lymphatic system is damaged is when people can have lymphedema. Um, I treat people that are, had a neck cancer survivors and they'll have swelling in, into the face, into the neck, even into the, um, into the mouth and the throat. So people can actually have a hard time swallowing and speaking. Um, and so I'll oftentimes with those patients work very closely with our speech therapist, which is really cool to get kind of that multidisciplinary care for them. Um, we'll work with people who have, um, you know, any type of pelvic cancer, if they have lymph nodes removed or radiation and they have genital swelling, they have leg swelling, we can work on that too. Um, it's, uh, it's a tough condition to manage, um, because it is lifelong. It, you can't cure it. Um, and so it can be really a, a tough conversation with people when they're first diagnosed with it or when they don't know that they have it and you're explaining it to them. Um, but even though it's not curable, it's very manageable with those, with those treatments. And our goal is always to get people as independent as they can with managing it on their own. Yes, yes, yes. Um, that's really good. Cause I've seen a few people coming to the pharmacy with, um, lymphedema in their legs and you can it's a visual sight like you can actually tell and I almost want to like want to pull some of them to the side and be like hey like have you wrapped it like are you, you trying to, <laughs> like are you trying to like let it breathe for today like have you wrapped it have yeah. you massaged the area and uh sometimes I, once I get um more comfortable with them I do have that type of conversation and then try to teach them some things about like like, you know, it is chronic, so you can't just let it be. You have to make sure that you manage it so that you could get better. Um, and that's a good thing you said about exercise, because I thought about that too. Like, should I uh, ask them to exercise or if they exercise? Yes, absolutely. So the lymphatic system really relies on the muscle pumping action to help move the fluid. And so that's like number one, even if it's just, you know, even, if, you know, if they're really deconditioned, having them just like walk a lap around your house at each commercial while you're watching TV or something, anything mm -hmm. to just kind of get things moving. Um, we do give them what are called remedial exercises. So like gentle repetitive exercises to start getting the fluid to move. We're working all the joints. We're starting to get things moving. Um, so those are all really important. Um, I will say the, the one thing that's probably the most frustrating with this population is the time it takes them to actually get diagnosed and get the proper treatment. Mm. So I find especially people who have swelling in their legs, um, and I'm sure you can appreciate this, are given Lasix, right? You want to get yeah. the fluid off the legs, but if it's lymphedema, what does that do? It takes all the fluid out, leaves the protein behind and protein loves water. It's hydrophilic. So then that brings more fluid in. And so really these people who are given Lasix for years and years and years, it's just making the situation worse because it's not actually doing anything for the issue, which is the lymphedema. Mm -hmm. So that's, I think probably one of the more 
pressuring things for a lot of these patients. And I'll even have people coming in for pelvic health issues or something else. And I look at their legs and I say, you know, just like you, like, Hey, like, have you had that swelling for a while? Like, have you had it checked out? And they're like, no, like it's so painful. I've had it for years. I didn't know I could do anything about it. And so we just, we get a new referral for that and we start working on that too. Okay. That's really good. That's really good that you are making them go ahead to the next level. I guess yeah. you're certified in it. So you're like, Yo, I, I see right. what's going on here. <laughs> <laughs> Any little thing, right, right, what can we help with? What can we help with? <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, and then with oncology, how do you help and impact your patients um, who are dealing with cancer? A million different ways. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's been it's been really interesting getting more training in oncology. Like again, in PT school, just like with pelvic health, like we had maybe like a an hour lecture, a couple hour lecture about oncology. And the main thing that people get out of PT school is cancer is a red flag, right? And so now we're treating cancer survivors. So it was kind of like a mind bending experience when I first, when I was a new PT, like getting in this population. Um, but I think the, the biggest misconception about cancer survivors, people going through cancer treatment is that they're fragile and they're not. Um, they are strong, they're resilient, they can do anything. There might be some restrictions with what to do. Um, but a lot of things that we'll work on are like balance, especially if they've had chemotherapy that causes neuropathy in their hands and feet. Um, we can work on range of motion, we can work on strength, deconditioning. Um, if they have radiation fibrosis in there, so I'm working with a, um, I was working with a gentleman earlier and he had radiation to his jaw. And since then he's had a really limited amount of motion that he can actually open his jaw um, because of that radiation fibrosis. So we can work on that to help improve the range of the jaw movement. Um, we can work on scar tissue. Um, we can work on sexual dysfunction. So there's a lot of different things that we can do um, within oncology PT and then because I have that additional training with pelvic health, then, you know, if I have, for example, a breast cancer survivor who's on hormone therapy that completely depletes their estrogen, that can lead to sexual dysfunction, vaginal dryness and pain. And so we'll get referrals to work with people on that, um, which is pretty cool. A lot of people don't think of breast cancer survivor and, and sexual dysfunction in pelvic health. Um, but that's a, a very underserved area within oncology survivors is, is the sexual health component. And there's, you know, studies that show that providers aren't comfortable talking about it. And so if the provider's not comfortable talking about it, the patient's not comfortable talking about it, but it's an issue, right? Like the conversation never gets had. It never, it never even gets started, right? They're embarrassed to talk about it. It's taboo to talk about and sexual health. I mean, it's an activity of daily living. It's an ADL, just like toileting and grooming and, you know, getting out of bed. And if this is part of someone's ADLs as part of their identity, it's part of their relationships. I mean, that can have a huge impact on, on survivorship for these people. So um, it's, there's a lot of different things that we can work on in oncology. Um, there's some PTs that specialize in pediatric oncology. Uh -huh. um, 
which is a whole other story. I'm not creative enough to, to work in peace. <laughs> but, you know, even with an oncology, there's, you know, these even more subspecialties to get into. Yeah. Okay. What's up, everybody? Let me introduce myself. My name is Dr. Bartu Wilson, the host of Pill Talk Podcast. Well, Pill Talk, we are empowering the next generation of medical providers and professionals. Through my conversations with other top medical providers, my audience get an inside look at what it takes to make it to their level and how they're providing excellent service for their patients. If you're pursuing a career in the medical field, join me on Pill Talk to get inspired by empowered leaders, empowering the next generation of leaders in the medical field. We are the leaders of tomorrow. We are the leaders of now. So. Join me every Monday at 6 p.m. as I release a new episode talking with empowered leaders who want to share advice, coach, and network with you. So become an empowered leader with Pill Talk Podcast. Pill Talk Podcast is not just your regular podcast, it's your medicine. The daily dose you need to educate, motivate, and aspire to live at your full potential. So Come on down and become an empowered leader and start to dream bigger with Pill Talk. And while I got your attention, make sure you go ahead and subscribe to my YouTube channel and support the podcast by becoming an active listener. And if you like, become an empowered leader by... Okay, I can see how, like, all your certifications and training kind of comes back and, like, right. makes a complete circle <laughs> just on that last example. I was just like, it all makes sense now. Right? <laughs> light bulb <laughs> <laughs> yeah because when you look at it you be like okay physical therapist pelvic health woman health oncology lymphedema and then when you break it down you're like what if someone has cancer removes a breast injures the lymph uh lymphedema a lymph nodes inside their breast then they have woman's issues you be like oh okay yeah absolutely i mean even you know when you look at men with like prostate cancer. So I work with a lot of prostate cancer survivors. Typically with, with the majority of prostate cancers, they remove the prostate. With removing the prostate, they're taking out part of the urethra, they're losing some of the muscle function there. And so a lot of people are incontinent after mm -hmm. these surgeries. Um, and they'll also have erectile dysfunction. And so we work with people pre-op and post-op for penile rehab and urinary incontinence. And we get them back to doing what they need to do Man. it's so cool like i <laughs> like i am in the right place with these specialties <laughs> yes Man. i really see it now like you said it was a light bulb everything just came came together as one yeah Man, that's amazing yep. and, and it's really cool that um you know students are recognizing it and so you know right now i can't remember what the exact numbers are but i mean it's one like lymphedema therapist for thousands of people who need it um and so we have more students and and clinicians who are interested in oncology and in pelvic health and i have a lot of people messaging me like hey like i'm really interested in these two and like i didn't know how to merge it and i found you and like so how do i do it so it's it's really exciting to see both of these areas that are so underserved um and even within these like the lbgtq population is even more underserved um to have more clinicians like excited about getting into these specialties 
Yes, yes. I have a couple more questions. I do have one question that you kind of tapped on a few bit, a few times throughout. Um, one was like you had uh, the hip pain and it took a while for you to get diagnosed. And then you were just mentioning that patients come in and you're like, hey, I see you have swelling on your leg and you're only taking Lasix, but how long has this been going on? And it took them a while to get diagnosed. So uh, how do you get your patients to um, push their uh, medical providers to like really do everything that they can? If you can speak about that a little bit, please. <laughs> That's a really good question. Um, and frankly, I think that's a, a huge issue, at least within the U.S. healthcare system, is, you know, practitioners are so siloed. I mean, even myself, like, I was kind of joking with one of my colleagues, like, if I had a post-op ankle come in, like, I could treat it, but would you want me to treat the post-op ankle when I haven't treated one for eight years since I was a PT student? Um, and so when we, when we see this within the medical profession and, and, you know, I have a patient and they were talking to your urologist about something and they're like, oh, well, that's, that's not my wheelhouse, like talk to your GP. And then, so then they talk to their GP and they're like, oh, well, that's not my wheelhouse. You need to go see a specialist. And it's just, patients are getting bumped and bumped and bumped around to find a specialist that they maybe didn't even need to see, or, you know, there's, it's always like, who's on second, right? It's just, everyone's just kind of getting passed around. And so I think for, for people to really advocate for themselves, they need, they need to come armed with information and with another provider. Oftentimes it, it's rehab um, because we do get to spend more time with people. We're seeing people one, two, three times a week for 30 to 60 minutes. Like we get to really know people. Um, and a lot of times they need somebody else kind of in their corner supporting them and contacting their doctor or their PA or whoever um, to get the care they need, to get the imaging they need. Um, you know, it's, it's even, it's really hard I find with pelvic pain, especially um, with men, women, transgender, uh, men and women, like anybody, if they have pain, a lot of times they're told, oh, well, it's in your head. Or, you know, if they're having pain with sexual activity, I'll have a glass of wine or, you know, it's just kind of brushed aside. And especially if there's no mechanism of injury, right? We'll go back to the patient I was talking about before where she didn't have a hard fall on her tailbone. She had a lot of stress and she was sitting more and it's kind of skipped over. Um, so long story short, I, <laughs> I tend to find that people need to come armed, ready to push their providers to get the care they need and have somebody else in their corner. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I started getting on social media more and starting a blog and like doing all this stuff because people need to be empowered. They need this information and to know that what they're going through, they're not alone going through it. Um, and there's help available. Um, I have a lot of people that are begging their providers to get a referral. I've had probably two or three um, postpartum women in the last couple of weeks who are like, I kept asking for my, my OB to give me a referral, but she said, oh, you know, it, it'll be fine after you deliver. And they're in their like 10th week of pregnancy. Like they still have so much longer to go. And, you know, it, it's sometimes, you know, the patients are doing everything they can to get the care they can. It's just us as healthcare providers need to listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. 
I appreciate you breaking that down and talking about patients advocating for themselves and finding another healthcare provider to help them uh, get to the help that they really need. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you're doing a lot. Plus you have a blog. So how do you find a work-life balance? <laughs> That's the question. That's the question. <laughs> um, I, I've definitely gotten better over the years, but anybody who knows me, know, like I have a hard time saying no to things. Um, but I think one thing that I've, I've really learned in the last probably two years is you can't take care of your patients if you're not taking care of yourself. You can't help your patients be healthy when you're not helping yourself be healthy. Um, so I also have, I have IBS or irritable bowel syndrome. Um, and so when I'm more stressed, when I'm more, when things are more hectic, you know, my symptoms kicked up. I sometimes need to call up from work. It's hard for me to concentrate because of the pain that I have. It's, you know, and it really kind of, each time it happens really hits home even more. Like I need, I need boundaries. I need to say no to things. Um, and so for me, especially in this last year, I really took stock of what do I love doing, right? Like what fills my bucket, you know? Um, and how do I, how do I do that while working and again, like having a, a work-life balance. And so I really had to pare down on the things that I was saying yes to. And it's been hard. <laughs> it's been really hard. Um, but at the end of the day, I have to think of myself first and taking care of myself so I can do these other things. Um, so I make sure that I set, you know, blocks of time to like make posts, set blocks of time to just chill and watch Netflix or play video games. And then um, each week I have, I'm very, I'm try to be pretty structured and I make sure, you know, I have time to exercise, do yoga, go out hiking, like do that physical activity because obviously we know like there's so many benefits to physical activity. Um, and so it's really just like, for me, ske almost scheduling time to, to relax almost, which maybe doesn't sound good, but <laughs> nah, sometimes you gotta block it yes. off. Yeah. It's easy to say yes and get excited about things. I actually, even for tonight with talking to you, I actually double booked myself for, for two Zoom meetings at the same time. <laughs> All right. So we're going to try to wrap this up so you can make it to the next one. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just one more question. Sure. Uh, you got a great career. You're doing a lot, making a major impact with all your patients. Where do you see yourself going five, 10 years from now? What are your next goals? That's a really good question. That's something I've been thinking about for the last year. Um, a lot of the goals that I had set my set for myself as a student, I attained quicker than I had anticipated, um, which then kind of probably led to the IBS and some burnout, honestly. Um, but I would say kind of moving forward is continuing my mission of empowering people. So getting more into education, um, continue, continuing clinical care, because I do love working with patients. Um, I love program development. Um, I love research. So getting more into writing articles um, and mentorship, I think is huge. And being involved with mentoring programs um, has been really, really helpful for me to kind of fill my own cup, but also give back to the profession. Um, so like right now I'm working with um, our professional organization. They have an oncology component. So I'm working with them on building a mentorship program. 
Um, so I think kind of just doing what I'm already doing <laughs> and just like kind of continuing and, and building on that, building on uncle pelvic PT, maybe, you know, starting a, my own practice down the road and, yeah, trying not to be too structured with that part is <laughs> it's everything else is structured day to day. <laughs> okay, understandable, understandable. So if anybody want to get in contact with you, they want to check out your blog, they want to uh, send you an email and have a, a consultation with you, how can they reach you? What are your social media social media handles? Yeah, um, Instagram, uh, Facebook and my blog are all Onco Pelvic PT. So Onco like Oncology Pelvic PT. Um, Twitter uh, is Alex Hill PT. And my email is Onco Pelvic PT at gmail.com. All right. Great, great, great. So if anybody got a question about oncology, physical therapy, <laughs> all, <laughs> the things, all the things, <laughs> everything under the sun please reach out to Alexandria Hill. She's great. She will make sure she answers your questions, get back with you. So Absolutely. thank you for coming on Pill Talk Podcast. It was a pleasure to have you on. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, and thank you. Yes, thank you so much. This was fantastic. I really appreciate it. All right, no problem. Welcome to Pill Talk Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Bartu Wilson, I got a special guest today, um, Alexandra Hill. Uh, she's a physical therapist. Welcome to Pill Talk Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Bartu Wilson. Pill Talk Podcast is your medicine, a daily dose you need to motivate, educate, and inspire yourself to live at the full potential. Today, I have a special guest, Alexandria Hill. She's a physical therapist. Do board certified clinical specialist in women slash pelvic health and oncology uh, physical therapy. She's also certified in lymphedemia therapy as a therapist. So thank you for coming on today. How are you doing? 